and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Noel Webb, who's the co-founder and CEO of Karen HR, which, which parenthetically is your cognitive recruiting assistant. Noel, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me, John. Oh, this is this is going to be fun. I'm so looking forward to spending some time with you. Would you would you take a moment and introduce yourself to um, the audience and tell us about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as John mentioned, I'm the co-founder of of Karen HR, um, which is a cognitive recruiting assistant. So we have uh, a few few products that we've released into into the wild now, um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll start talking about those a little bit later. And my background has been in in innovation as well as the fact that uh, I'm a professional musician and drummer on the side as a professional hobby. <laughs> that's not that's not a hobby. I mean, you're t- you're touring with with one of the big name Americana bands in in Canada and branching out into all sorts of things. Yeah, this is this is. This is not AI, but it, it is it is some kind of a, a centerpiece. It's a, it's yeah, that's very true. It's a pretty pretty interesting uh, dual dual life that I lead from uh, uh, running an AI company to uh, going on stage playing in front of a few thousand people at a night a few times a year. <laughs> it's a pretty pretty amazing uh, transition between those two lives. Do you ever think about, I'm sure you get asked to talk at conferences, do you ever think about showing up with a drum kit? I have thought of that before, but they're really loud, they're cumbersome, and I don't think anybody really wants to hear a drum solo. They would much rather hear a guitar solo or a vocal solo than someone whacking away on drums, I think. Well, well, you know that's that's sort of true, but but I've been doing these, <laughs> these talks about AI recently, and and you know the audiences tend to be either people who really deeply understand AI and they're generally offended by the way I simplify things, or people who don't understand it at all. And no matter how much I simplify it, it seems too complicated. And um, I think having a drum kit <laughs> might be preferable sometimes. <laughs> Well, I'm sure if I could find a way to tie it into uh, drumming and uh, predictive algorithms, it might. I wonder if it would land on on some of the people that it goes over their head. Well, you, you know, there's there's a whole thing that, that we could talk about, which is which is that that great mm, intelligent software depends on rhythm. It really depends on rhythm and. And it's the challenge with bringing great intelligent software into the um, uh, world where human beings are the things that you're making decisions about. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I always find it interesting when, when, we, when we start talking and thinking about intelligent software and what the, the, the general reception is or the general understanding of what AI is and what AI can do and, you know, using it as, you know, the understanding that it's, it's a tool. As a matter of fact, it's, a, it's a, a descriptor for a whole subset of tools. It's not the magic bullet uh, for, for every single solution. And it's really still very much in its infancy. So we're getting a lot of hype and a lot of noise 
around a technology that isn't quite where people think it is just yet. Um, and it's being sold where it will be in three years to five years as well. So it's creating a whole lot of confusion in the marketplace. Yeah, it's, 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 it's one, a very interesting time. But, you know, this is what transitions are like. This is what this is what technical transitions are like. I think this is a particularly big one. I agree. It's 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 almost a, a, akin to uh, you know uh, going through puberty, right? With how how awkward the transitions are in technology in, tech, in technology, um, and we really are at this very very young stage of everybody having access to tools to be able to develop these predictive algorithms, and then trying to acquire data sets to train them and so forth, and. You know, we've come across this quite quite a few times with uh, whenever we've been dealing with um, with our clients is is really giving an education and understanding as to where the technology is now and what the technology can do now, not what uh, you might be hearing it is doing, um, which is what it will be doing in you know three years or five years from now, right? So, so one of the things I've been thinking about pretty hard is is how to report the quality of a decision made by a machine, right? And, and, and when, when, when I ask this question, I think you might have a different answer than I usually get. When I ask this question of technologists, they go, oh, that's easy. We, we give it a probability um, measurement, and, and we say this decision is um, 90% likely to be correct. And... Um, I think I think that that gets you right at where our relationship with these things needs to start to shift because it isn't you can't tell me that a decision that a machine recommends is 90% right what you can tell me is that historically this would work 90% of the time but right. yeah but I, as the, if I'm the machine and I'm telling you historically that this would work 90% of the time, the next thing out of my mouth as the machine should be, but before we go down that road, what's changed? Right? Yeah. So, so, so probably like, so the probability and so we deal with something called confidence scores. So um, our system, so we have two chatbots and a, uh, a predictive algorithm set for candidate stack rank. And so we deal with natural language processing. So we deal with something called a confidence score, which is essentially, um, essentially what you're talking about right there. So the, the amount of confidence that the machine has that it's about to respond to you in the correct way in understanding the intent of the user. So that's a whole whack load of, uh, of, of verbiage there to really say, you know, what does the user actually want out of the conversation or what are we trying to uh, predict as far as, you know, high value candidates are concerned. I don't, um, you know, not that, not that uh, how, we're, how we're doing it is as correct as we can be with the technology that's available right now. Is it ultimately the way it should be? I don't think so. When you and I just say, John, when you and I have, are having this conversation, we are, you know, we're thinking on the fly, on the fly. We're inferring a whole bunch more than just prediction. You know, we're inferring judgment out of the tone of the language that we're using, out of the inflection of the language that we're using. So, so there is so much more information in our communication than what there is 
um, via many of these uh, chat interactions that you know just say candidates are having with chatbots or even with uh, with customer customer support bots. You know, one of the challenges that I think not just our company has, but many just say that the chatbot and the natural language processing companies have, is you know moving forward to get to the point of the machine in a way understanding. Um, when it doesn't understand, truly doesn't understand the context of uh, a string of characters or a sentence. So, for example, you know, I know that we've talked about this before, where it says, have you ever misunderstood a text message or, or read a feeling into a text message before? We do it all the time as humans. Um, computers don't have that capacity. So, you know, it be, does become a very, at some point, a rather linear transaction guised as a very deep uh, interaction in the current so, state of the technology. Yeah, I, 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 get, I get that. And yet there's this, there's this thing that I think is pretty natural that we want to um, personify the machine. Right, we want it. At at a deep, deep level, we want it to be human, and so we attribute more to the output than maybe is there. Absolutely. So I'm sure you have heard this many times when people talk about chatbots. So one thing that we do not do when we talk about Karen is identify a gender to to our machine. Um, we have an, 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 maybe an inferred gender by the name, but we don't say she or he to personify it as uh, a human. But companies do. So when companies start to use our technology and other technologies um, for, for TA or for, for their HR that have a persona attached to them, they start to humanize them. Very much like you would start to humanize if you have a dog or if you have a cat, you start to humanize their personality. Um, I think at times there is a danger in that um, because that becomes an expectation of a user, number one. Number two, um, it also starts to impart the roadmap of many of these companies. So we want to make it and feel even more and more human to the point where the line is purposefully blurred between a human uh, and, a, and a computer. Is that positive? I don't know. We're not there yet, <laughs> right? Um, you know, but that's where everyone is going, and that's where, where we're really pointing to with many of these technologies. It's not just you know, the phase one of what we're going through right now is being able to accurately assess data and predict in a quote-unquote humanistic way, or you know, as some people would say, even better than a human could. And then the next frontier is, I'm sure, you know, in 10 years' time, is going to be trying to impart the stuff that uh, humans are great at, which is the judgment, the morals and the ethics, the feeling, the uh, emotional intelligence, the emotional quotient portion of it. You know, as I think we've discussed this before, as you know, the, the value of prediction is reduced by, you know, things such as machine learning and, and, uh, and deep learning and, and predictive algorithms. And, you know, that included with uh, robotic process automation, you know, the value of our judgment dramatically goes up. So, you know, 
this sort of leads into a bit of a, a, a rabbit hole into the future of work discussions that we've had before, where you know, people's jobs not, aren't necessarily going to be lost, but they are going to change, and they're going to change dramatically. You know, and our current thesis um, at Karen is that one of the most perceivably devalued things in the history of business is going to be rapidly the most valuable thing in business, and that is emotional intelligence and emotional quotient. You know, historically, I think we have uh, you know, kind of pushed that under the rug, even though that we're, we're aware of how important emotional intelligence is and communication in that manner is. Um, but I think it will start to dramatically come to the forefront um, of humankind when it comes to work and how we are doing work in the future. Well, you know, I've been, I have been thinking hard about about the question that started this this digression, which is which is how do you understand what the machine tells you, right? And and the machine the the machine can tell you everything up to the last thing it knew, right? So the machine can always tell you about the past, and it can, and it can make a um a, 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 a a forecast of whether or not this would be a good idea if we were operating in an environment that was just like the past. But what, what happens with organizations, organizations are, are like these Petri dishes where emergent phenomena happen. Right? And so, so I've heard it best described as the organization works really hard to get a routine in place because routines are measurable. And then shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the chaos explodes, um, and and then the thing that you do after the chaos explodes is you try to put it back together and get to the routine again, and then the chaos happens, right? And so there's this there's this pattern of emergence and control and emergence and control. That's really how organizations work, and machines are generally trained up to the last bit of routine. And so, so what you have to do with a machine is catch it up, right? It, it says, if everything was the same as it was in the last routine, then this would be the answer. But what's happened? And, and that suggests to me that, that the next step is learning how to treat machines with empathy, and so when I when we talked before the show, we caught up on the distance between the last time we talked and now. And and I don't treat my machines that way. I I never <laughs> feel an obligation to catch them up, right? Um, yes, interesting. So, but would you consider that catching them up is continually increasing and giving them access to data sets? Is it is that um, the form of ca- uh, is that the form of catching up that well, uh, that we need well, so to refactor new, our minds to? Let's let's say there's a new VP in our division, and because she's a new VP, the very first thing she's going to do is the opposite of what the last one did. Because right. that's how, that's how you take over new jobs, right? You do the, you know yes. that you can make a difference by ta- by doing the opposite of the last one did. So so the first thing. It's not a data set. The first thing that I need to do is say, oh, hi, Mr. Machine or Mrs. Machine or, or some gender-neutral pronoun machine. Um, <laughs> right. 
right? How are you today? Yeah. And, and and by the way, would you look into your data sets to see what happens when we get a new VP? This one seems to be particularly interested in cost cutting. Uh, you know, and so yeah. so we're going to be making decisions differently than we did last week. Um, and I don't want to wait for you to learn. Can you make some approximations for me about what it would be like if we took all the stuff that you knew, but applied to it, the consequences of having a new VP? Well, now we're going down the, the left wing, right wing dial, John. So, you know, grabbing, having, having the dial on, on the computer go, do the opposite of what you were just doing. Wait, that didn't work. Do the opposite of what you were just doing again, back and forth. So very, very consistent with, with, in a way, with human nature. And I sort of bring up the left wing, right wing thing because it's generally, well, at least here in Canada, what we generally do when it comes to politics. So, you know, every eight years we flip from you know, a conservative party to a liberal party to a conservative party to a liberal party, all in the attempt to find balance, right? Um, I think that's ultimately yeah. what you know that's that's what our our human struggle is about it's what we're inferring in technologies as well is how do we find a, a, an assemblance of of balance in predictive work on a computer right 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 and how do we um, how do we let the machine um into our um search for balance Right. That's that's not part of the frame just yet. I don't think it is a part of the frame yet. It'll be a while to get there. And I think that's when you start getting into even more theoretical discussions of, you know, the singularity, quote unquote, has, has been has been thrown out there many times. A machine that has access to uh, you know, all of the world's data, all of the world's decision-making processes from historically uh, to this very present moment uh, and being able to in, infer what the future is, is, is about to be. You know, so this is a bit of a, of a digression in a, you know, you know, a one million foot view on what, where we are right now in the infancy of, of these technologies. You know, they've been theoretical for the past like, 30, 40 years, and really it's been only the past six, seven years that we've really been able to start developing and using these technological sets out in the wild uh, and playing around with them. So there's so much confusion and, and learning and you know, prepubescent awkwardness that is going on in the development of, of companies and technologies that are, that, that are, 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 are deploying these types of, um, uh, of products. Well, so so I'm not sure we have to. I I, I don't believe in the singularity, first of all. But, but, no, I know, I know, I know. I just I was throwing that. I know, nor do I. But I was throwing that out there just to make a point. <laughs> but but I'm I'm not I'm not sure that we actually need to to imagine a singularity as much as we need to um, um, understand the actual biases that are in our data sets. Right. So so if you know that the pendulum swings and when you move from one kind of manager to the other kind of manager, then you ought to be able to go find that in the data already. Um, right. And so so how would that manifest? Well, it would, you know, in 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 recruiting, it would be a comparative analysis of job descriptions over time. That's right. Uh, right. And, 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 and yeah. 
right? And, and then you should be able to see, you might not be able to say, well, this is the result of Vice President Smith's new um, Stalinist regime where he took all the old guys out <laughs> and shot them. <laughs> but, but, but you might notice that there's, that there's a, a more strident job description and a less strident job description and some sort of pendulum movement over time. And, and look at the data and predict some additional things based on the movement in the data that you have. Correct. So I think in the, in the past, John, you and I have talked about this whole rabbit hole of bias and what that actually is, what it means. And one of the conclusions that, that, that is understanding that not all bias is bad, right? You know, right. there is a lot of negative, there is a lot of negative bias out there, but you know, I have a bias and I am looking for the best talent for my company, Karen HR. That, is that, is that positive? Is that negative? Well, to me, that's a good thing. I want as much great technical talent in my company as I possibly can. I am biased towards people that have a, uh, have a penchant for, for uh, being able to learn fast and are technologically adept. You're probably That's prejudiced not, towards a certain range of methods, too. I might, yeah, exactly. I might, I, I, I may be, yeah. So, for example, we, uh, we're an agile company. We do agile. We have agile methodologies in place. So, for us, that's what part one of the things that we look for. I am prejudiced towards that. Someone who understands the methodology of agile and how to be nimble within the organization and still be effective. Um, so. Those aren't necessarily bad things. They're very. They might be unique specifically to my company, but I think the thing that we're we're really dramatically trying to affect, and we have the not only the ability to at this point in time. I think we have the responsibility to, particularly in uh, in HR as a you know a talent acquisition company that that leverages machine intelligence to make these predictions. It is our responsibility to, at the best of our ability, ensure we have really well vetted and understood data sets from a cross section of, uh, of people. And not only that, that they have been reviewed by a diverse cross section of people and also understanding and calling out where the negative bias actually is, you know, in in many with many of the companies that that we work with it's a part of the process that we use for 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 training and it's a part of the process that we like to build in with uh our sales workflow where you know we're working with large fortune fortune 500 and fortune 50 enterprise and right out of the gate as we're going through uh going through the start of our implementations and deployment we talk about how would you like to handle negative bias or negative unconscious human bias? Because we're going to find that humans have made bad decisions based on bad things. So, and we don't want to train that into our models at all. We want to get closer to an idyllic world where you know, race and gender do not matter anymore, right? When it comes to hiring um, the best person for the job. So, 
Yeah, you know, we're we're able to do what we're able to do right now with the amount of information that we're given. There's always ways to do much better, can can strive uh, and strive to 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 be better. But when we're looking at these large data sets now, we can actually you know sit there and judge the fact that well, there was a lot of really shitty negative bias put into that decision. So we have an opportunity to not train that into the model. So, I don't know if that, uh, that that's a little bit no, of tangential I, I, there. Right. Was, the, the, way, the, way that, the way that I like to think about that piece is, is that there are biases that are illegal. There are biases Correct. that should be illegal. And Correct. then there's everything else. And everything else is what you make culture out of. <laughs> you, you know, and, and right. so... Yeah. And, and, so, and so you want to celebrate the... You, you hardly want to eradicate the rest of it what you want to do is go you know what in our little country we were lederhosen and you'll feel better working here if you like lederhosen um and and, and if you don't like lederhosen okay um you don't have to work here right <laughs> you know because cultures have quirks right cultures have quirks you have to you have to really love strong cheese to work here and if you don't like strong cheese, okay, we, you know, lots of people don't, but, but you won't like our lunches. You well, you won't like, like the, you strong won't, cheese. or you won't like the fact that we manufacture very strong cheese. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Right, right. These things, these things bring color and joy, and 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 there's this sort of there's this sort of dreariness to technologists trying to eradicate bias that that makes me feel like a fly on the end of a pin in a laboratory well yeah but i mean when you so but when we start look when so let's start looking at the the trajectory of of the different types of uh, of nomenclature that we attach to bias from preference to racism right Right, like those, like and, and every word in between, leading up to, and probably even more than what we can attach to this thing that, you know, all that we're all banding around is this one term bias. So I have a, you know, I have a preference towards playing drums versus guitar. You know, that's been my instrument of choice. You know, that is a, it's a preference. I am biased towards that, to, towards that sound, and towards creating music in that way, or you know, selecting a new person for my new company or a new person for my new band because I, I have a preference for for more drums. That isn't, uh, you know, being able to be cognizant of what part of the line you're actually on as a human and making the decision around um, not just the people that you're bringing into your company, but even the types of technologically your de- technology you're deploying uh, into your company and into your environment are all going to have different variances on this thing that we call bias from preference all the way up, uh, up and down the scale further. So I think it's time that as, as humans, when we start thinking about these types of technologies and deploying these types of technologies that we need to bifurcate what um, preferences all the way up to what uh, an, an act of racism is. Right? right. Because, because ultimately that can be translated into data and that data 
can be very, very bad if it's put into, uh, into models. So, or it could be very, very positive if it's a preference for a particular type of, uh, of work process or skill set or, um, or personality type. You know, eventually we're going to be start talking about we're going to be talking about not so much skill sets, but personality types and emotional and emotional intelligence types when it comes to to work. So how do we even start planning and assessing for that within these types of technologies now? Oh, and, and there's there's one more thing that 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 I am particularly aware of these days, which is there's really important stuff that we don't know as individuals and as a culture. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and if we go about doing our work in the development of this next generation of technology as if we knew everything, um, uh, we're going to get in trouble, right? There, there are, we are, yeah. There are blind spots the size of the Rocky Mountains in the way that we look at the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. Is I think this, this, the, much of the point around this discussion is that it is now our responsibility to, you know, to use the existentialist phrase, know that we do not know. Right? right. It is time for us to admit that there are many things on the horizon that we are going to try and speculate and they're going to be dramatically incorrect um, you know, or partially correct. But as we're going down this path and injecting these new sets of technologies uh, in our in our workplace, that we're cognizant of their of what they're capable of doing, and truly trying to understand how they can a generate efficiencies, but also how they could potentially generate negative outcomes uh, within the organization, and being mindful of that. Um, again, it's that it's the the new the new way and the new world of uh, of, of thinking uh, the difference of, uh, of of differences of bias, right? Now, I always have so much fun in our conversations. Uh, we have we have come to the end of this one because the clock is in charge today. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> and so, so I wish we could. I wish we could talk all day, but we're going to 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 stop right in the middle of this fun. Um, would you mind taking a moment and reintroducing yourself so and tell people how they might get a hold of you? Absolutely. So my name is Noel Webb, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Karen HR Inc., a cognitive recruiting assistant for talent acquisition. Uh, you can get a hold of me via the website if you're a company and you're looking at uh, getting a demo of our product, uh, or you can get a hold of me directly at noel at karen.ai. Thanks so much, Noel. I always love spending time with you. It's been a great conversation. As always, John. Thanks so much. You've been listening to um, HR Examiners, Executive Conversations. We've been talking with Noel Webb. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great day.